What's up, everyone? Kevin here from Skywatcher. Welcome to another episode of the Skywatcher What's Up webcast. We take a look at everything from what's in the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful uh, helpful tips and tricks. Um, I screwed myself up. So um, anyway, welcome to the Skywatcher What's Up webcast. Uh, we do this every Friday right here on our Skywatcher USA YouTube channel, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, thank you for joining us. It is March 24th. I have no idea where this year is going. Uh, doing this webcast makes everything fly by. Um, I would like to let everybody know uh, we did originally plan to have Cat Mansion on, uh, the space artist, but there was some scheduling conflicts last minute, so we weren't able to have her on. Uh, but we do have one of our best friends on, and she's joining us today, which you probably know her, and I will drag her in here in a minute. Yeah, that's a. I will bring her in here in a moment. I was like, I have to check myself sometime. Um, but yeah, if you like what you see here at the Skywatcher What's Up webcast, please go ahead and subscribe. Leave a like on a video. And uh, yeah, thanks for hanging out with us. Let us know we're doing a good job. Um, so today we're actually joined by Ashley Northcott of Astro Backyard. She's the other half that you don't get to see too much, although she probably does most of the work, Trevor. So um, Trevor's in the chat. Um, so we're going to go ahead and bring her in and get started. So, hey, Ashley, how you doing? Hey, Kevin, I'm good. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for joining us, especially last minute. You're like a lifesaver. <laughs> no problem. Um, so I ask everyone the same question uh, when we get started, and I think yours will be kind of interesting, but how did you get started in astronomy? Yeah, so I think, I mean, I've been around astrophotography through Trevor's involvement in the hobby um, since about 2010. Um, and, you know, as a beginner who's excited about a new hobby, you know, Trevor would often, you know, talk about the things he was learning. And, um, you know, I kind of absorbed a lot of that information and terminology right out the gate, um, you know, as he was starting to build Astro Backyard. Um, but I didn't really get involved myself as an astrophotographer until the summer of 2021. Um, so I had a lot of time to kind of absorb all that information and take that first step, um, that scary first step into astrophotography. Um, and, you know, I'm in a unique situation as well. And I recognize that, you know, I do have a privileged situation of being surrounded by astrophotography equipment because of, you know, Trevor and Astro Backyard. So I do have have um, that going for myself, but also I have Trevor there to help answer a lot of my beginner questions and help me walk through that process. So I do realize that that gives me sort of like, I guess an advantage if you want to say, mm -hmm. um, but I feel like maybe it brings a certain level of pressure, whether that's like real or imagined and as you know how I should be as an astrophotographer but I basically you know just take one step at a time in terms of skills and learn things as I go and um it's been a really interesting experience um and very challenging mm -hmm. I know I hear that a lot from other beginners that it's you know a very challenging hobby um and so, yeah, that's kind of how I got started was indirectly through Trevor and then kind of um, starting my own journey after joining Astro Backyard full time in the summer of 2021. Do you bug Trevor about your PhD guide graph? <laughs> 
Yeah, we joke about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a nice joke about, you know, don't pay so much attention to your P your PhD guide graph. <laughs> as long as your guiding is good, that's good. There you go. Yeah. Um, so I, I know there's a lot of people who obviously know your husband, uh, Trevor Jones, who everyone sees on Astro Backyard. Um, and obviously he's the face of it, but you guys are a team. And um, I've gotten to talk to you a lot more over the past year or two as we trade shows have come back and you guys have joined us, especially as that team. Um, for those who don't know, what what do you do? Because you do a lot that people just don't get to see. Yeah, so um, Astro Backyard grew to the point where, you know, Trev just couldn't maintain doing everything on his own anymore. And so it was late 2020 um, that I left my full-time job um, to join Astro Backyard full-time. Um, and so a lot of that work involves, you know, a lot of our business reporting and accounting that we have to do. Um, helping write and film content for the channel and our website, um, you know, strategic planning. I'm probably more of the planner between the two of us. And I like to be organized and kind of have a direction of where we're going. So um, I like to work on a little bit of our like future planning. Um, oftentimes I'll connect with people who want to maybe collaborate, do partnerships with us. Um, I get back to um, some of our um online questions that we get through our um, contact form or questions that we get from our image processing guide. Um, I review all of our YouTube comments and um, get rid of a lot of the maybe more hateful comments. Uh, and, I know uh, talking with Trevor, he has mentioned that you're kind of, you know, his filter for a lot of that. Cause I know talking with Trevor, a bad comment can really derail at that someone like that. And I think you do a good job at kind of shielding from that. So, yeah, I think it's just easier. I can kind of remove myself from the more personal um, take that he might take on it, being the person actually on camera. Uh, and then I can just um, filter those through. And, um, you know, yeah, if it's just like a super negative, not helpful comment, then just get rid of it and nobody has to see it and we can just keep moving forward. So, yeah, basically a lot of the things that happen behind the camera that, you know, just allow Trevor to continue to um, make videos and, you know, keep putting out content and, and things for people. So, yeah. Nice. Well, thank you for all the work that you do, because I know the channel wouldn't be nearly what it is without a lot of what you do behind the scenes. So I think a lot of people appreciate the amount of effort that not only Trevor, but knowing what you actually do for it is you know you make that move forward so that's a big deal so for sure yeah and it's like sort of exploring new territory as well like you know with when trev started this as just himself um you know he's a very creative person kind of wants to push um that forward and put out creative pieces and so for me kind of joining on now it's kind of learning it's sort of him learning how to work with someone else as part of the business, but then also how do we work together as, you know, business partners, but also a married couple. Um, mm -hmm. So there's like <clears throat> that dynamic as well of, you know, work relationship and married relationship and taking time away from, you know, the business to make sure that we have 
time that's not just always work too mm-hmm. so it's it is interesting to kind of work through this new challenge together and it's nice yeah well i know when we i think the first time i met you in person was the advanced imaging conference last year i think that was the first time you guys made it like at least for us a trek i know you've gone to star parties and stuff as a couple and stuff like that and um but what was really interesting is you have you carry this interest in uh international dark skies and like preserving dark skies and i know that was like a big interest of yours and i think that's kind of taken off since we've last hung out so where are you going with that venture yeah so um my heart lies in the environment and i honestly didn't realize how connected astronomy was to the environment and nature until you know i got started with astro backyard and coming across the IDA. And so um, for those that don't know, International Dark Sky Association, they do a lot of work in protecting dark skies and raising awareness about light pollution. And so we've kind of, um, we have both joined IDA as advocates and delegates, uh, which basically just means we join this big network of other people around the world who are also interested in protecting dark skies. And we come together for this global movement. Um, The majority of our involvement at this point, I would say, is during International Dark Sky Week, which is um, this year, it's April 15th to the 22nd. Mm. Um, And so we usually do like our own version of like an education campaign to try and raise awareness about uh, using our platform to raise awareness about um, light pollution and things like that. Um, So we'll probably do another video this year related to light pollution to be released around International Dark Sky Week and, you know, some social media posts and things like that. So that's kind of the immediate um, involvement that we have, but we're always looking for ways that we can connect with other organizations that would care about the cause of light pollution. So um, even as, you know, campers and kind of getting into that world of even just people who go camping and leave their lights on at a campsite sort of thing. So just like you know, how can we spread this narrative to other groups that might not know about light pollution and spreading awareness, I guess, is the key message here of what we do um, with IDA in hopes of um, at some point maybe tackling it more on a local level with our municipal and regional governments here is kind of like the end goal. But um, there's, you know, I read a lot about um, you know, understanding the more technical aspects of lighting, because there's a lot that comes along with that as well. Um, and also just better understanding topics that are going to get brought up more in conversation as you start to do outreach on these type of topics. Like safety always becomes a really big topic of discussion when you talk about light pollution and turning off lights. So just knowing how to navigate that conversation and answers to that. So that's kind of where we're at right now. But um there's an exciting future, I think, there within IDA. Is there uh, like a personal goal uh, for yourself when it comes to dark skies that like a dream of yours that you'd like to do personally through that effort? Um, I'd love I would love to um, at some point see some change within our own communities. Um, I know that in our area, especially um, greenhouses has really taken off. Um, you know, uh, wine production is very big in our region, but also greenhouses, especially with the legalization of marijuana, there was greenhouses coming up everywhere and 
a lot of the times those lights stay on all night long. Um, so we've seen a big change um, in our neighborhoods and our region in general. So um, just, I think, seeing a reduction in light pollution within our area through working with our local government would probably be like a big dream come true. Yeah. I know you and Trevor, for those who don't know, um, are joining us for Texas Star Party. You guys are going to be our guests and hang out with us. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, the people over at McDonald Observatory have done a ton of work out there in Texas um, trying to reduce the light pollution that comes from the oil rigs and stuff that are out there. And they've that gets to be a touchy subject just because of the politics and stuff like that, that yeah. reign in the, the West of the United States. Um, but they've found good ways to actually um, have those discussions, which show not only that we're not trying to just tell you how to save the environment and we don't like what you're doing. It's we understand what you're doing. We want to be respectful of what you're doing, but we can find that middle ground too. And they've done a really nice job. And I'm sure that's something that you guys are able to do in your local area too. It's just kind of finding that, that middle ground of, we see what you want. This is what we want. How can we work mm -hmm. together to make both of it mutually beneficial at that point? So, yeah, I think the approach is key when it comes to talking about light pollution and it can't be, you know, a pointing finger game. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to work uh, with the people who are you, who are you're asking to change and understand kind of what their points of view are as well and uh, respect their points of view, but also, yeah, find that common ground where, um, you know, maybe you can get them to see things through your perspective and, and make a small change. So um, I'm, I'm learning that things with light pollution and making change are not something that it's not something that happens overnight. Like it's um, there's a, a Slack group set up for all IDA advocates and delegates from around the world. And um, you get often see the work that everybody else is doing, which is just incredible. But it's it's very slow movements, especially when you're dealing with government, um, making those small changes, but I think just sticking with it and um, having those right conversations, I think, is the ticket. Um, because you're you're not fairly new to the whole IDA thing, um, I think because of your platform, you've kind of rose to that, uh, you've rose up the ranks probably pretty quickly, which is probably pretty cool. Um, but for anybody who wants to learn more or get involved with kind of your efforts or dark sky preservation and awareness, what would your recommendations be for people getting involved? Yeah. So, um, international dark sky association, their website is full of amazing, um, resources and outreach materials and just information in general about the harmful negative impacts of light pollution. And, and, you know, it goes far beyond just the night sky, but to wildlife and ecosystems and everything. So they have a wealth of information on their website um, that's really useful. And even if, if you're interested, um, they're always looking for advocates and delegates to join the network and kind of spread that reach. Um, so that's what I kind of love about the work with IDA as well. And with us spreading awareness on our platform is we're not just spreading awareness about light pollution as an issue, but we're spreading awareness about IDA as a whole and helping to grow that advocate network, which then puts more people on the ground in their own neighborhoods doing the work. So um, it's nice to see that. So yeah, 
research IDA, um, reach out to them um, through their website. You can um, inquire about becoming an advocate, see what's involved, um, and you can ask to join um, through, I think it's email. I'm sure if you even send them a DM on Instagram at IDA Dark Sky, that they would be able to point you in the right direction there. Um, and yeah, just researching um, groups or organizations in your community that might be on board with um, coming together um, to talk about this kind of stuff because it is it is difficult to kind of do it alone. Mm -hmm. uh, it's nice to have a group. So there's IDA chapters in a lot of, specifically in the United States, um, in certain states um, have their own chapters of International Dark Sky. So um, check and see if you have a chapter in your um, local state or region and and even start there. So do you find I know you and Trevor went to Okie Techs for the first time last year. And I think mm -hmm. that was probably your first dive into like Bortle One skies. And yes. did you find that your inspiration or your passion for preserving dark skies was kind of heightened after getting to see basically perfect night skies at that point yeah like the you just wish that everybody could see the sky like that um because i think then people would understand um you know what we're missing and what we're losing through light pollution but yes um definitely it was uh yeah we had two pretty pristine clear nights while we were there and the sky was just incredible it was like nothing either one of us has ever seen before and so yeah that translates into i'd love to i mean obviously with urban areas it's you're never going to get to that level but um you know there are improvements that can be made to you know mm -hmm. maybe get a bordel class better or you know, whatever that might be. So yeah, it definitely helps to kind of push, push forward and, and remember what the cause is all about for sure. I know that's a big thing uh, for Grand Canyon star party, which is my favorite star party, but that's a big thing that they push up there is dark sky awareness. And I know IDA has done presentations up there. I think they spent like a million dollars changing every light bulb in the wow. entire park to the light ordinances just to preserve it. But yeah, it's kind of one of those things where I'm sure you've seen it time and time again. Um, Cause I know you and Trevor have gone and done not astronomy based stuff, but you've gone out to promote um, IDA uh, causes and it's people don't know what they don't know. You don't miss what you don't know you're missing. And that's mm -hmm. kind of one of those probably uphill battles where it's like, well, we want to do this. It's like, well, why would I, why would I want to do all these things? But it's like, I find that once you get someone under a dark enough sky and it's like, oh, I get it. But yeah. sad part is most people don't know anymore. So, And I think too, it's tying it to some of those other negative um, impacts of light pollution too. Like bringing it back to something, maybe they don't care about the night sky, but maybe they care about wildlife or maybe they care about, you know, a certain type of bird or an ecosystem or something. And so kind of through those conversations, finding something that you can connect on and kind of hit home on the fact that light pollution does affect or their own health for mm -hmm. that, for instance. So yeah, finding that, again, that common ground, coming back to that uh, theme and kind of hitting that home in order to make that connection for them. 
I know that was the big thing about the oil rigs in Texas that they just had the lights and they were shining everywhere. And I think they ended up putting shrouds on them to deflect down and the oil workers actually found that it improved the illumination for them to work at night because all the lights being directed where it needs to go. Um, so there was an actual benefit to like, oh, wow, this does help our our work. And it also helps what you're trying to do too. So it's right. kind of trying to, whatever that common ground is going to be, but it's, yeah, I know that's probably pretty hard to, to go in there and, you know, want to support all that in the right mm -hmm. ways and not just sound yeah. like you need to do this because of this tiny little bird. It's like, yeah. even though there's a bunch of people that would hop on that, it's hard to change people's mind when it's stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. um, so you've jumped into astrophotography yourself, which I know is new territory for you. Do you find there's any, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can do astrophotography nowadays. Is there something that you tend to like more of like, um, the deep sky targets, or do you want to do, do you like the nightscape work? Um, or what, or do you just kind of all over the place with, cause I know you and Trevor were, um, I think you guys are interested in birding a lot too. So you were photographers before this whole, you know, snowball effect changed your life. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, I guess probably right around when he got interested in um, astronomy and astrophotography, like we were already um, pretty heavy into, yeah, birding and bird photography. Um, so that's kind of where we both started. Um, and so we had your basic, you know, DSLR cameras and some prime lenses already, um, which, you know, we have used for astrophotography since. But um, I tend... When I do astrophotography, I find that I want always to go after deep sky. Like I love nebulae. It's mm. just, they're just, although I say that, but then I really loved when I shot Andromeda and Triangulum. So deep sky, I guess, is <laughs> deep sky objects um, typically. And it might be just because, you know, we're both shooting deep sky at the same time when we're both imaging. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't dabbled a lot in nightscapes and it's something that I would like to do more and get better at. So if only you had a garage full of trackers <laughs> that you could use. <laughs> yes. So um, that's something I definitely want to try more of this summer is uh, do a little bit more nightscape work for sure. Awesome. Uh, I know a bunch of people, we all like to talk gear um, and <laughs> you all see what Trevor's using because it's always on the videos and stuff, but what are, what are you using as far as equipment? So lately, um, I think what I've used most based on, depending on the target, I guess. Um, so I kind of flip flop between my Skywatcher HEQ5 and the EQ, um, EQ6R Pro. Um, and yeah, cause you have your own EQ6R. At I this do. Point. I do. So that's been kind of the go-to mount um, lately. Um, so usually I'll use the Esprit 100 uh, with the EQ6R Pro. And I think the last image I took, I used the uh, ZWO ASI 533 MC Pro. So color. It's color a nice camera. camera. Yeah. Yeah. And the um, 
ZWO ASA Air Pro. Hard to beat that, that combination. Love. It's a fun rig. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And when I was did sorry, when a... I Oh, go ahead. I'm so go sorry. Ahead. <laughs> so, uh, it was just, there was a question here that kind of fits in. Um, someone was asking if you, uh, do you process and edit your images for yourself? I do. Um, the first bunch of images that I processed, I used actually our um, image processing guide that we have for sale. Um, and so I used that to process the first, maybe... I actually still pull it up and use it just to, for workflow purposes, just because I feel like it helps get me on track. But I do find that um, image processing is definitely my biggest challenge, uh, for sure. Um, it's just kind of a whole other game mm -hmm. when you're processing an astro image. And I do find that I I don't always know where to go. So that's why I find the guide helpful. <laughs> if I have any questions, like, oh, well, here's something I can try. Um, and of course, you know, I do have the benefit again of having Trevor there to say, like, oh, well, you maybe... could just walk down the hall and be like, Hey, it's <laughs> true. It's true. But I also want to, you know, I find because he's there that maybe I don't want to rely on that too much. Like I do want to get better as a photographer and a processor myself. Um, but in the beginning, I think it has helped me in terms of like knowing where to start and, um, and again, yeah, developing my own workflow. So, yeah, you um, kind of get your own signature to it. Yeah, so. yeah. So yeah, he does give me some pointers on like, oh, well, maybe you should try this and I'll go through and do that. But uh, I do, yeah, I do process them myself with the help of a guide, both PDF version and Trevor version. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so I know it's Women's History Month, which is kind of why we also have you on. Um, for women who are trying to get into astrophotography do you do you get a lot of emails through uh, astro backyard more so now that you're involved about uh women getting into astrophotography we actually don't get a ton um specifically from beginner women saying you know i'm new to the hobby and and i'm looking for suggestions on how to get started uh it's more like i get a lot of very specific questions of like, you know, I'm using this type of gear in this type of situation and this didn't work. Can you help me? Um, and so those types of responses, you know, are hard, are hard for the two of us to respond to just because it's so direct to just one person. Whereas if we can, um, our last two videos that we released actually were um, as a result of a bunch of inquiries that we received from people through our uh, website. So mm. if we can develop like a theme and then do a video around that, that will reach a lot more people and answer a lot more questions. That's generally the better way for us to go about it. But, but if the, in terms of kind of suggestions, I guess, for women who are beginners and looking to get into the hobby, um, my suggestion would just be look for maybe beginner friendly resources online as like a starting point in terms of information to kind of absorb that information and overcome those first few hurdles in the beginning. Um, I know that there's more like, I mean, Helena has always been such a huge inspiration. Like she has such a great um, YouTube channel full of really great information. And I'm seeing more um, women with beginner astrophotography channels like Sarah Maths Astros got some really great videos as well. So there's 
a lot of really, and of course the other, you know, pop, popular channels like Nebula Photos and Galactic Hunter and things like that. So there's lots of really great places to find information that's beginner friendly that you can start with. Um, my favorite thing is probably attending star parties. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they're, if you can go to a star party, they're a really great place um, just to see new gear, ask questions, listen to speakers. Um, you get a chance. You don't really even need any equipment to attend because they're generally in dark sky locations. So like a pair of binoculars or just your mm -hmm. naked eye. Um, but plus it's a nice way to connect with people and, you know, um, you know, you might develop some deeper relationships and then, you know, end up talking outside the star party. And then now you have some like a friend or a mentor that you can reach out to for help in the future. So I really love star parties. I think they're great and they're generally pretty inclusive. Um, but then getting involved with the, a kind of, I guess, an extension of that, getting involved with a group. So as you mentioned, like I'm a newer, I'm a newer member to Stella. Uh, mm -hmm. So striving to engage ladies in astrophotography and actually just attended my first like Zoom meeting with the group um, this past Tuesday, which was amazing. And it's so special just to be able to connect um, with a, a group of women just to share our experiences as women in the hobby, but then also just be there to support each other. Um, and it's also a great way to find other people who are kind of close to you. Mm -hmm. um, I know that I've like a wild stargazer, Tammy, and, um, you know, uh, Carrie and Lucky Hepburn, like there's a few people who are close to me in proximity, in proximity in terms of location. And so if there's any ever a time that we all have a chance to like meet up an image, I haven't had a chance to actually do that yet, but I know a few of the girls um, who are close to each other do like meet up and do their own imaging sessions in the field. Like that's another really great way to like learn while you're out there and shooting. Yeah, the so. social groups I find are that's kind of what helped me when I was younger was just finding mm -hmm. a group and kind of figuring out who's like-minded and especially when you're new, you know, cuz it's it can be really intimidating with this stuff whether you're doing astrophotography or just astronomy in general and to find a group that's like this person has this strength and this person has this strength and you can kind of like lean on one another to, and then you all succeed at that point. And I know Stella has been very good about that uh, for women um, and it's growing all the time from what I understand. And I know we had some of them on last week and mm -hmm. um, I, I'm hoping that episode had some pretty positive growth for that group because they're awesome. Uh, but it's cool that you're involved with it too, because I do think it does tend to be, intimidating at time from a woman's perspective where it's a very male dominated hobby and you know you don't always want that opinion all the time it'd be nice to have kind of a safe harbor elsewhere to where Absolutely. you can be in a like-minded thing and i think as um a guy sometimes you don't see that and but if you take the time you you see why groups like that are actually very beneficial um so i'm yeah. it's cool that you're a part of stella and i'm glad you brought them up because um for any women who are trying to get involved in astrophotography stella would be the major group to go track down on instagram and i know there's a bunch of them in the chat right now so <laughs> are stoked that you're yeah. on today so oh that's so nice yeah and i think it's it's an important resource for 
women to connect with each other, but I think it's also think it's really important to showcase the work that women are doing in this hobby as well. Mm -hmm. um, just as a place um, to showcase the incredible talent and maybe start to remove some of those gender bias and, and some of the sexism that might exist, you know, within the greater, you know, field of astronomy or astrophotography and just, you know, I think it's a powerful place um, to do that. Yeah. And there's a, there's more women in the industry that the telescope industry that um, I think people think, and if you ever go to Neef and stuff, you actually get to meet them. I mean, you have Jen Winters, who's the brain behind Daystar solar filters. Like they create some of the most advanced filters on the market and her uh, right hand woman over there, Tiffany, um, they, they're, killing it over there and then you have tanya uh kennelly over at los mondi you pick up the phone she's there she knows all the ins and outs and then star Arizona, you have diana who's one of the founders of stella there and then mm -hmm. you have faye over at lunt solar systems who knows the ins and outs of their systems so there and that's just who comes to mind immediately so right. um yeah so there's a lot of women involved they just got to dig for them so for sure oh uh, yeah and you mentioned neef i've noticed that a bunch of the speakers there's a lot of um women scientists um that will be there this year as public speakers so i'm excited to to attend some of those talks as well yeah and then uh you and trevor will be floating around neef this year for anybody who's attending yes yeah well you'll be at neef and uh, both days so i'm sure you'll see us around if you're there Yep. And then if you're coming to Texas Star Party, they'll be there. Um, someone's mm -hmm. asking if you're going to Cherry Springs. I know the answer, but. Yes. So, so yes, we will be at Cherry Springs as well. Um, I understand that um, registration has now closed and it's waitlisted, um, but we did manage to get our tickets. So we will be at uh, Cherry Springs in June in Pennsylvania. You guys are on tour. I know. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, what is so? Neep is in like three weeks or so in April, mm -hmm. and then Texas in May, and Cherry Springs in June. In June. So you guys should get a shirt. Astro Backyard like tour, like yeah. 2023. <laughs> so. Yeah. Post COVID but, tour. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> back in action. So. Trev and Jeff. Back, or, I'm sorry. Ah. Uh, <laughs> so I've got too many people bouncing around in my head right now because we've been booking way too many events right now. So Jeff's my boss, Trev's her husband. It's a mess right now. And trying to get everyone in one place at one time, there's just like, so, um, someone, oh, they're asking if you're going to be at Starfest in August. We are hoping, um, we are not a for sure for Starfest yet, unfortunately, um, we are still thinking about it, but we hope to. We hope to make it work. Yeah. I know you guys have some other stuff floating around that mm -hmm. makes that difficult. So mm -hmm. hopefully uh, we're planning to be there. I actually have a meeting right after we get off of this call about the organizers of Starfest for Skywatcher to finally be present on site. So we should be there. Um, let's see. Someone's asking what your favorite telescope and camera is at the moment. Hmm telescope and camera i would say the one that i'm using yeah the spree 100 and the 533 mc pro is probably what i'm enjoying most right now 
Um, but for some of the wider field targets, I really did love using the um, Redcat 51. Mm -hmm. um, it's such a friendly telescope and I really enjoyed using it. Um, so that kind of like a favorite for wide field. Yeah. Well, it's very native for the, the Redcat's very native if you're coming from like a telephoto lens. It's mm -hmm. a yeah. very feel for that. So That's right. Um, is there any in the, where do you, on, from your perspective, just jumping back to Astro Backyard really quick, um, from your perspective, where do you see you and Trev and Astro Backyard going in the future? Especially since oh, you, you're the logistics coordinator. So it's true. <laughs> um, geez, that's a good question. I don't know how that have any. I think we just focus in terms of content right now around just like keeping that focus on a lot of beginner level content, uh, helping those beginners. Um, I mean, we have, um, oh, I guess one thing that we could mention is that we are working on um, sort of an online course for beginners is Pretty in the cool. works right now. So that's something, um, I guess, in kind of the near future. Um, but we do have like kind of our big crazy goals that we think about for the business that um, seem kind of unrealistic and untouchable at the moment. But, you know, in a few years time, maybe, uh, maybe they'll be more achievable than we thought. So those kind of things are always in the back of our mind. But I think day to day, it's it's very content focused and making sure we're putting stuff out there that, you know, people need the answers to basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't imagine also, that. Yeah, I'm sure you guys get a lot of tech support stuff because you have so much hands on with everything. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like I mentioned before, like, um, you know, if we can draw themes from a lot of the questions that we get, then at least it's like, okay, this is kind of the content that people um, like this is, this is the question that people need an answer to basically. Mm -hmm. And so we can answer that in a, a post or a video. So, um, yeah, if we can't get back to you personally, you know, we are taking that information in and at least, you know, turning around and using it as kind of information or topic for videos and things like that. So, yeah, we're pretty similar. If we see there's a lot of like we did a ZWO ASI Air video, particularly on how it hooks to our mounts, and that's because everyone was like, "How do I do it? How do I do this?" So we just made an episode, and rather than answering that question over and over and over again, now it's like, exactly, go check this out, and yeah. now we don't have to keep saying the same thing, and it's all documented nicely there and packaged. It's good to know because I feel like I got that question the other day. Yes. So now I can just point them. Here's a video. There's a video. So. <laughs> um, I know we have two big things coming up, um, which are kind of new avenues for you and Trevor. And I'm curious what your plans are for them. I know uh, October of this year, we have the annular eclipse. And then, of course, April of next year is the total solar eclipse. Um, I know for whatever reason, you guys haven't dove into the solar side of the hobby um that needs to change um <laughs> but the only carcinogenic version of astronomy by the way so wear sunscreen yeah. um but 
have you guys made any plans for the coming eclipse? I know that probably for you, the the April eclipse is probably the bigger one for totality. But yeah. I don't know if you guys had start planning for such an event. The October, I, I don't think it's annular where we are, but I think it'll be more partial. It'll be partial for yeah. for you. So Yeah. Um, but yes, we do have plans actually for the April total eclipse. Uh, we're actually attending um, an event in New Brunswick, Canada, um, called the 2024 Sky Experience. And it's going to be um, an event... Um, that will have activities around astronomy and stargazing. Um, I think there's also going to be like a daytime bird watching component and some yoga. And so it's going to be just kind of this like wide variety of um, activities throughout um, the solar eclipse event. Um, so both Trevor and myself will be speaking at that event as well. So oh, very cool. That'll be exciting. Um, Trevor on kind of beginner astrophotography and I'll be doing a presentation on um, dark sky preservation. Nice. So, so yeah, exciting. we will probably share some information about that um, either on my Instagram or Astro Backyard Instagram in the coming days. Nice. For anyone who's interested and maybe attending. <laughs> Have you and Trevor are, ever done a total eclipse? I haven't, no, I don't believe he, no, neither one of us. So this will be a first and um, where we're going is directly in the path of totality. And uh, we're, I think if we had stayed here, I think we'd still be in the path of totality, but we're hoping that by leaving here where it's always clouded, that maybe we'll have better chance at better skies because mm -hmm. um, it will be I think it's a portal three location that we're going to and hoping for just better chance of clear skies mainly <laughs> I know you guys had the aurora last night I've never seen the aurora and I'm sure it's amazing but totality is the most mind-boggling astronomical experience I've ever like there's nothing that tops I can't it. wait so you figure out why the Mayans killed people over it. Yeah. It was like, this is nuts. So, and then the first question right after it's all over is, where's the next one and how do we get to it? So, I, when we were at Starfest actually um, last summer, there was a bunch of people talking about um, their plans for the total solar eclipse coming up next year, but also how many they've been to already. It seems like this, you, make plans like you said as soon as one is done you're planning for the next one it seems yep. to be kind of like addicting people like to the eclipse chasers are a very interesting breed of yeah. people because it's like the storm chasers of the astronomy hobby that's right and that's right they live for it and i would it's also a cool way to just see the world because you talk to some of these people and it's like i've seen 27 total solar eclipses and i've been to egypt and i've been to china yeah. and I've, it's like holy cow so it's also just well that's cool you got to go do all these nifty things mm -hmm. and do astronomy at the same time but yeah it's pretty crazy so there's yeah, one in really, like the yeah. 2040s that actually goes through uh egypt totality goes oh, wow. through egypt like that would be cool to go to i think it mm -hmm. goes to the valley of the kings which would be 
awesome. So <laughs> expensive, but awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so we talked about Stella. We talked about uh, eclipses. We talked about Astro Backyard. Um, is there any little projects for yourself that you want to dive into? Whether they're, you know, just is there a target that you want to go after or something more elaborate or um, anything you've got on your to do list that you want to do now that you're in the dark sky, to, dark side of astronomy? So I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, we were kind of chatting before we came live here, but I've really been lacking on my winter, uh, imaging. Um, yeah, you're a seasonal astrophotographer. It's, <laughs> it's hard for me to get out in the cold. I don't know. It's just, I've seen Trevor's in your Instagram pictures and it's just like, uh, no, absolutely <laughs> not. But I'm a desert dweller. So when there's this yeah. white nature dandruff all over the place, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good yeah. one no i'll look so, at my horse head image from last year so that's right so horse head is something i really want to shoot so that's probably on my list which i guess will be more closer to the end of the year now um but yes i do want to get better at getting out in the cold and getting some winter targets on my list um because i think i'm seriously lacking in that area so but cold, cold and sleep are probably, aside from image processing, the cold and, the, and being, staying awake are big challenges for me. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Trevor has had to meridian flip or take my darks for me on more than one occasion because I've already fallen asleep. So. Hey, it's nice to have a field crew. <laughs> Thanks, Trev. Like, no, I don't. Who takes darks? I have someone do that for me. <laughs> He's probably more just thinking about the gear and when he does my meridian flip, because it's mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't want anything to get ruined. So yeah, well, I better go do it. <laughs> yeah, only a few buttons. Boop, boop, boop. So, but yeah. Do you find? I know um, you guys moved to your new fancy dark sky oasis um um do you find that that's been a big improvement or do you and like for you just being dark sky awareness do you find that that's also been kind of some kind of inspiration for you having a home in a darker location yeah i think in terms of dark sky it is a lot nicer uh, i mean we're we're on the edge of town so we're still kind of the city is creeping closer to us. Yeah. Um, so I think we're maybe like a five, six, depending which direction you're looking in, but um, big improvement over where we were before. So that's great. And then, I mean, we're both nature lovers too. So just being a little bit more further removed from the city and just having a little bit more space. And we lived on a busy street before, so just not hearing constant yeah. traffic. Like it's just... Kind of the whole feel even of just like being in the backyard is so much nicer and tranquil i guess um than it was before gotta keep it um, on brand so yeah right <laughs> and um and the garage is like our has become now like our work space at home um which i i know it's so much easier to be able to just like throw up that garage door at the back of the garage and carry things out rather than you know sidestepping through like a teeny little 
door on the side of the garage and we can stay more organized and we're hoping to maybe do some more renovations to like maybe put a lounge and some other cabinets and storage and stuff in there. So we have pl big plans for that space, um, but we're still pretty new um, to the house and we'll get there. But I know it's driving Trevor crazy. Eh. I know. <laughs> he's, he's fine. <laughs> um, so I got some questions for you from our chat. Um, one of them wants to know what your inspirations are when it comes to IDA or astrophotography. Inspirations. Uh, I draw a lot of inspiration from like the Stella group, um, for one, for astrophotography, just the, the work um, is just incredible. Like I see some of Diana Vanilla Moon's images and they're they just blow my mind so i draw like a lot of inspiration from the stella group and other astrophotographers um that i follow on instagram and just seeing their targets and their processing and and knowing that one day that i will get better at my own processing and things like that so i do for astrophotography instagram is a nice place for me to draw mm -hmm. inspiration um, and then in terms of IDA, um, just being an advocate and having access to the Slack and seeing all the work that other people are doing, as hard as it is for you to see, I think it's hard, it's easier for us to see all the bad lighting and just be overwhelmed with the fact that like nothing can be done and all these things. But when you go into the IDA Slack group, you see all the advancements and successes that other people are having and i think that helps keep you going and know like oh other people are doing it mm -hmm. this is you know the the great work that they're doing the success that they've had so like maybe i can do it too um so just i think for dark skies being a part of that network has been really great and um ida themselves in terms of like the staff are super supportive and will do anything they can to connect you with the right people and projects and resources. So, um, yeah, that's probably for dark sky. That's where I draw my inspiration. Nice. Um, another one is, uh, let's see. What's your number one piece of advice for someone starting out in astrophotography? I would say, that if you have a negative experience, whether that be setting up or not getting gear to work or a comment that someone makes on social media, don't let that stop you. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there are lots of great people out there who are willing to help. So just don't get discouraged, I think is the biggest thing. Um, because it's easy to see what other people are accomplishing and then getting stuck in your own frustrations and um, setbacks and thinking that you won't get better. But just don't get discouraged. Stick with it. Keep plugging that's, away at it. That's a good uh, little bit in there because I do see that, particularly with the Instagram crowd, is you have a lot of newcomers that come in and they want to start their Instagram profile and they want to start sharing and... Of course, if you're just getting started, your first images are not going to be near the caliber of people who've been doing this for any point longer than you. Someone who's been doing it for six months knows more than you do. 
um, someone who's been doing it for a year knows more than the person who's doing it for six months and so on and so forth. And you do see some people who do make some snark comments about, oh, your stars are out of, out of focus or blah, 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 blah. But I guess elaborating on what you were saying, Ashley, is, yeah, don't let it stop you because those people, for whatever reason, feel they need to make that comment. But their first images sucked, too, probably. So... But you, yeah. But every shot that you take, the next one's even better. So you know, you take yeah. your first shot of Andromeda, and it's there. It's just a little fuzzy ball, but it's there. And then the next <laughs> one, your stars are a little sharper because you know how to focus a little bit better. And now you're getting cloud bands, and then so on and so forth. And then soon you have an image that you're like, I want to print it and yeah share. so you got to like, take the stair steps though so. that's right and if you think about like what you're actually capturing it's just like the fact that we can do any of this is pretty amazing so like yeah and yeah. i think i think to your point about you know kindness and empathy go a long way right we everyone has been a beginner at some mm -hmm. point in their life at this hobby at anything that they've ever done they've been a beginner so it's important to remember that when interacting with other people and um, everybody's image is an accomplishment for themselves, right? And and that's, it's special to them. So um, yeah, you're making that discovery personal. for yourself. So yeah. So I think it's just approaching other people with kindness and empathy is important. And just always remembering that like, yeah, I was, you know, I know a lot about it now, but you know, I was at some point they were a beginner, right? So mm -hmm. no, I, mm -hmm. I see it a lot. And I'm sure you do too, especially when you're in kind of the professional circuit where, you know, you're helping someone new every day, where if you're just kind of you, it's like, oh, well, I've already, I already know how to guide or I know how to focus. And you kind of forget what it's like to be a beginner. But for you guys, you're getting emails from people at all different levels and here at Skywatcher we get support emails from all different levels and we're kind of in the trench constantly of different levels of people and their knowledge base so you know you kind of always are reminded right off the bat that you kind of have to have that uh, kind and empathetic approach to it because you're reminded every single day that you could have a paramount and a big plane wave or you could have a little Canon camera and a tripod and you're just getting started, but you kind of have to approach it in the same way where, it, you know, how can we help each other succeed and grow at that point? So, yeah, I mean, we're all, everyone in this hobby has fallen in love with the sky and the stars, right? And it's about kind of building each other up so that they can continue to try and improve, you know, as creative people and artists. And you want that, you want people they're you know they're your people everybody's yeah, we're all it's in this <laughs> your tribe take right? care of them so yeah. that's what i don't yeah. don't understand particularly about the instagram instagram bugs the crap out of me because it's like the <laughs> wild west of you know astronomy and you just have people who oh i love that and then you'll have someone be like that's terrible it's like mm. we're all in the same boat though mm -hmm. and it's like do you want someone to come in and fall in love with the hobby like you did or do you want one snarky comment to be like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore because they're not nice to me and I'm just going to throw all my stuff in the, you know, garbage or throw it in the closet yeah. and never touch it again. And 
I've seen that time and time again at outreach events too, where it's just, if you're not welcoming, our hobby is already difficult to get people in because there's nothing <laughs> logical about freezing your butt off and looking up in the nighttime Staying sky. Staying up all night. And yeah. Yes. It's like, I don't have a problem. <laughs> so, yeah. um, well, it's just the challenges of like getting everything set up and working and there's, there's so much. Yeah. So, so be welcoming and understanding because you were a beginner once too so yeah well ashley that's our hour you did a good job so thanks this is your first like big interview My first kind of in the camera moment <laughs> whoa sort of so i've made some cameos in astro backyard videos but there's gonna be a spin-off series now trevor yeah. <laughs> so. ash takes back astro so. <laughs> i'll let you guys debate over that one so, yeah. well, thank you so much for spending your uh, afternoon with us. I definitely appreciate it. Um, we will see you in a few weeks, which will be kind of fun. So, you That's know, true. so, um, but definitely appreciate your time. Um, I know Astro Backyard, obviously you can go check out astrobackyard.com. You guys have a YouTube channel, but you also have your own Instagram too. Um, what is that? If people want to follow you in particular. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at night sky underscore ash. We'll try to put that in the chat for you guys too. So you can run over there and check her Instagram cool. out. Um, well, that's it for today's episode, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. If you like what you see, uh, can't talk today. <laughs> um, if you like what you see here, please go ahead and leave a like, uh, subscribe to the channel. Let's us know we're doing a good job. Uh, do go over to Astro Backyard, watch a bunch of their fun videos over there, learn something new. Um, and like you said, go check out Ash's Instagram as well. And uh, we will see you guys next Friday to wrap up our uh, Women's History Month series uh, with Jess Rodriguez. She's the STEM coordinator for Mount Wilson Observatory in Los Angeles, California. And uh, yeah. That's pretty much it. If you want to see the Skywatcher team or the Astro Backyard team, check them out at NEF, which is only three weeks away, and Texas Star Party coming up in May. Uh, thanks, Ash, and we'll see you guys uh, next Friday. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks,